The way I see it, Barry, this should be a very dynamite show. All righty. Uh, we are here once again with one of our special appreciations uh, where I have the privilege of Mark Rose, who I always thought I was kind of the Zappa expert. And I guess among the people I hung out with, I was. But uh, it is a privilege, Mark, to have you here leading us through the hinterlands <laughs> of the Zappa catalog, because as much as I might have to say about it, you just know so much more. And th th this is a groovy experience. It is. This is, I got to tell you, I look forward to any time we can do this. It is so much fun. And we just, we, you know, anybody who's into this music knows it. It's sometimes difficult to find people of like mind or heart on uh, on this kind of stuff because it is very specific. And, and one of the things I hope we do from hmm. this particular collection is make someone curious, if nothing else, about investigating it a little further. And uh, I might not recommend that they start with some of these earlier ones, but uh, th all these earlier ones have great nuggets in the Oh, yeah. And presage stuff. I mean, if you can, oh, yeah. listening to them in sequence has a very special effect. It, yes. But even I didn't, and I started li really seriously listening to Zappa, on 73, seven, I mean, I had a few of the albums before, but I was a kid and they were like comedy albums. Yeah, I'd listen to that. Then maybe a Bill Cosby album and then the Beatles and the Monkees. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like we were we were talking about just a little before we started here. Um, personally, the two that we're going to talk about today, the, the first part of the first one, Lumpy Gravy, is is one of my personal favorites from all time. And... For some odd reason, even back in the early 70s, and this album came out in 68, uh, um, this particular album has been uh, uh, a hen's tooth to find even back then. It was, it oh, was yeah. released and quickly evaporated. And I don't know, did they press? This may have not had too many pressings either. Well, as think. you know, this has a rather storied history and... Uh, the, the 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 one thing I, I rather love about it is it, it illustrates a a tendency that Zappa had that he never let go of. This album was one of the first that explored litigation, because uh, he was actually under contract with um, uh, MGM Verve, you know, back when he re uh, recorded uh, the other albums. But a guy named Nick Vinette actually came out of the shadows and uh, commissioned an album of what he called orchestral music from Frank Zappa. And, I mean, you got to understand, the album prior to this was absolutely free. There's no hit <laughs> in really any one of these albums, right? Yeah. So, so this guy comes out and he says, you know what, I really love your stuff and I want you to do an album completely of uh, orchestral work. And Nick Vinette worked for Capitol Records, which of course was a rival record company at the time. Which caused a little bit of a problem because Frank could not play physically on Lumpy Gravy. And he did not. Apparently. And he did not. He was hired as a composer and conductor. So that's exactly what he did. And he brought in the A-list of people for this album. I mean... Tommy Tedesco yes. plays the guitar, which, you know, if you're going to replace Frank Zappa... And you're going to write, I mean, he, I guess whatever he wrote to Desco, I assume, could play 
sight read it probably. Yeah. Well, you know that story, right? The, 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 the who's this punk coming into the session story? For those who may not, it's, it is a wonderful story. I mean, so Frank hires all of these A-class guys. Some of them are studio musicians, but some of them are just the just world-class jazz guys. I mean, we're talking about Shelley Mann, Frankie Cap, Johnny Guerin. I mean, these are Victor Feldman. These are these are real these are cats. Anyway, so he comes in, he puts this music down in front of him, and Tedesco and I think his the other guy that was sort of snarking at the time was uh, Emil Richards, who took one look at this score and and one of the guys in the woodwinds department said, "This is impossible." We can't play this music. And they're all guffawing and pointing at Frank and, you know, kind of uh, tearing him down a bit. And Frank says, well, hold on. If I played the part for you, would you believe that we could, in fact, do this music? And the clarinetist guy said, sure, go ahead, have at it, knock yourself out. So Frank picked up the guitar and proceeded to play the clarinet part that was, quote, impossible. The whole room, of course, erupted in a gasp, and it was like, well, okay, so this guy does know his stuff. He's, he may look a little funny by our standards, but he knows his stuff, and uh, everybody, you know, he gained an amazing amount of respect from that point forward, and so they were able to uh, give some great, 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 great performances on this thing. Yeah, not the, it, if nothing else, I mean, the musicianship is top-notch through the whole thing. And it is it is one of these uh, albums that, uh, unlike a lot of the other ones, there aren't songs, per se, on this particular thing. There, It was originally two sides, but they're actually one continuous piece of work that is uh, interspersed with... Uh, dialogue and uh, odd narration and, <laughs> and these wonderful orchestral pieces that he, he placed in there. It even brings to life some of the characters from the previous albums. Yes, exactly. Yes, the piano people return, of course. I keep switching girls all the time because if I'm able to find a girl with really a groovy car that I can build up, yeah, I'll go steady with her for a while until I build up her car and blow up the engine. <laughs> Yeah, that there's some wonderful, wonderful material there. Um, as a matter of fact, is it this one, or it might be the? No, I think it's the other one. Yeah, it's 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 coming up on the other album we're going to talk about. But because uh, because even Eric Clapton makes an appearance. But uh, yeah, he's on he's on the first track of the next album. Yes, um, but he doesn't play his guitar. No, he doesn't. He just he chimes along in in a in a vocal way, but not the way you expect. Well, you know, what we were saying is it, it did have a little bit of a, of a legal kerfuffle. Yeah, it came out in an eight-track for Capitol <laughs> Records very briefly. It did. And, and if course, you can find uh, one of those, you know. Um, and they it had was good lawyers to protect other properties that were signed. You know, that Kingston trio, they were making <laughs> a lot of money out of at the time. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it was a very shortened version, by the way. It was only it was only the whole thing was only coming in at around nineteen and thirty minutes or twenty one minutes, something like that. The whole thing was coming in originally, mm -hmm. and then this uh, suit started because, of course, you know, 
MGM said, hey, you can't do that. You're supposed to be on our label and blah, blah, blah. So that started all that. So meanwhile, while they're trying to figure out all the legalities, Frank takes the whole master back to the studio and recuts it with a bunch of stuff that ended up being the lumpy gravy that we know. And love today, yes. Although the Capital version, if anybody's curious, I believe the whole Capital version is on YouTube. His estate is just so kind to let this stuff be out there and not glom on it. Well, uh, Lumpy Money, which was the collection that they, they put out a few years back, mm-hmm. has uh, four versions of it. Three three versions, I guess. Um, that, it has a mm-hmm. mono mix. It has the version that um, Frank did, I think in, uh, I want to say 84, where he replaced some bass... And oh, drum yeah, tracks. The infamous replets replace the bass and drums. Oh, I, I I actually enjoyed some of the things from that on Ruben and the Jets. But yeah, as a purist, although some of the bass lines on the Ruben and the Jets, I have to admit, were tasty. Yeah, well, at Arthur Barrow, um, you know. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if uh, Chad replaced the drums in both of Chad Wackerman in, in in both of these things, but uh, that particular version got yet another further cut. <laughs> and then they added Thingfish voices, Ike Willis and, and Thingfish stuff yeah. in there. And so that's a rather unique take on it. It's the ever-changing version. I still love this one. Uh, you know, it's just... Yeah. It oh, it's just, pure. And yeah. It's the one that I heard first, so that always kind of... The nostalgia factor wins in the end. It does. It really, As really does. As in a bit of nostalgia. The fourth track. The fourth part the fourth segment. Yeah, it's kind of hard to go through these track by track because it is kind of one one continuous piece. Well, but... I found uh, on Genius Lyrics, they actually have it broken down and all, it's like a libretto. That would be wonderful because the way I see it, Barry. This should be a very dynamite show. <laughs> yeah, cut up with, with uh, a bunch of friends who are talking about losing their jobs and working at a gas station and rebuilding. Uh, yeah, rebuilding, the, reprimering the right front fender. <laughs> <laughs> and we do get a little piece of King Kong, just a little bit on side two. We get a little bit of it in there. And uh, take your clothes off, I, I guess. He wrote that a long time ago, though. That was like a really pre-existing melody that he kept. There was an old surf track that they they resurrected and uh, written in 1963 that he apparently, uh, I don't know exactly if he, if he yeah, he's, he kept the rhythm track and then, of course, added 
uh, lyrics to it. But that's that's something on on side two. But uh, yeah, there. Uh, <sighs> I don't, I don't even know how to attack this one. It's just so, you just kind of have to take the dive. We were talking about this earlier. I, I've noticed a couple of uh, confused reviews of this thing, the, uh, purporting that it was, um, you know, uh, kind of a hack job and very confusing and uh, didn't seem to go anywhere. But you know what? Here's the thing. This is a, I, I want to read this. This is a quote from, from Frank, um, a few years after this, but it's, it, it, it relates completely because while he was doing this one, he was also cutting five other albums at the same time, which was going to be this box set called No Commercial Potential. Right. So he says this, he says, it's all one album. All the material in the albums is organically related. And uh, if I had all the master tapes... And I could take a razor blade and cut them apart and put it together again in a different order. It still would make one piece of music you can listen to. Then I could take that same razor blade and cut it apart and reassemble it in a different way. And it still would make sense. I could do this 20 ways. The material is definitely related. And enough said, you know. Now, uh, there used to be something called the Lillian Roxon Encyclopedia of Rock and Roll. And I had an edition of it that that that's how it was going. To, the next Zappa album was going to be no commercial potential. And it was going to be this five record set. Yeah. And it was going to include recordings of the police raiding his studio. Yeah. And things like that. That Yeah. Is that. I don't think that's ever been fully released. Uh, not particular. Not episode. to my knowledge. No. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people who would love to hear that. Oh yeah, that of course is way early. That goes back to like Studio yeah, no, that Z. was when he was doing recordings for people, and uh, yeah, one of his clients might have been requiring something that <laughs> would attract the attention of the Vice Squad. Yeah, it was, uh, and it was so innocent because he. It was just um, as I re as I recall, it was it was going to be. If I'm remembering this right, it was going to be material used. The voice tracks are going to be later used in a piece of. Uh, film mm -hmm. and they're basically moans and groans and stuff like that so they they weren't shooting anything there there's no nudity of the voice yep so uh it's very curious and again you know hey we still live in that time it seems um i don't know why but it still no it's making a comeback in certain ways that's for sure yeah this is depending on who's doing it and you know that that i don't even understand it. i don't either I, and luckily, I, I mean, they do it to new music. It's no great loss. For well, yeah, I, honestly, yeah, I, I would have to agree with you there. I mean, everybody will say that about their, their loved material. But honestly, I, I think this guy's work, we already know it will survive at least 56 years. Uh, but the, the fact is, I think we'll be listening to the, many people will be uh, listening and discovering this stuff years from now because it just is well done. It's great music. It doesn't matter, you know, because the guy did so much. Yep. So much and there's something for everyone in the catalog. That's God for knows. Sure. The, the lumpy gravy thing as we know it now uh, was released in this huge box set uh, in 2009, um, which they called the Lumpy Money Project because they contained this one and the next album together. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, he, they apparently they merged, and I don't have a copy of this. I should, probably should get a copy of this, but um, they uh, they put the '67 version, the '84 versions, and uh, an audio documentary uh, in it, which is just material derived from uh, sessions that uh, produced the original '67 mm-hmm. sessions, and some dialogue which appeared in the '68 release, and so, so expanded, you know, other pieces. Uh, and some other additional material that went into were only in it for the money. That is not a cheap box set. I just want to. Tell you. <laughs> oh no, I'm I'm very fortunate to have a Spotify uh, password, and all the box sets are up there. Yeah. And I'm, yes. No, I can't touch them, but. Yeah, yeah, but man, it's 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 beautiful work, and I mean, if you're if you're. Certainly, like a person like us, if you care about the minutia um, and how some of these tracks came about, you, you get you get very interesting views into the uh, the building process of these things and uh, hearing variations of it and maybe just the rhythm track or you know something like that. And, and some of the uh, similar dialogue it continues to his last album that he put together, of course, Civilization. Yeah, and it, he and that was. Quite what thirty years later, twenty five years later, somewhere in there. But it just goes to show you the continuity is continuing. Yep. <laughs> and ponies and pigs with wings. <laughs> it's ponies and pigs. And the ponies' mane getting good in the back. Yes, exactly. You know, and there—that's. I'm sure that is lost on a, on future generations. But it, it it was a saying back in the day. Like, oh, my hair is getting good in the back. You know, that was a thing. Because yeah, people before that didn't have hair. There was no hair in the back. So <laughs> that's right. But the first long hairs were those like pachuco types. With Absolutely. The pompadours and all that. Yeah, I love the fact that that. That Zappa always referred to this album as one of his favorites, and uh, I can see why. Because you really do get it. At least, it hit me back in the day, even before I had really taken a deep dive into um, some of the even earlier ones. This one hit me just because of the symphonic work. It it is so wonderfully. I mean, you know that this is this is a guy who does know his stuff. It's 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 not uh, it's not <laughs> it's not random or or, or naive in any way. It's extremely sophisticated harmonically. And uh, yeah, after, uh, recently I started listening to some Edgar Varese. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he was a much bigger influence than I even thought on a lot of. But Zappa took it to a whole other place as far as listenability, I think, goes. Right. A little more melody in Definitely, because Varese was a lot more interested in the. the tonal clusters and you know percussion which was huge in his <laughs> in his work um, oh yeah i think stravinsky was a was a an equal you know influence for uh, for frank too you you really hear it in his his cho- a lot of his choices um but uh, yeah i mean the people on this album they just they do they blow my minds they are some of the the a list in uh I mean, Al Viola is one of the guitar players in here. He's just a, you know, he's, a, he's an icon in jazz guitar, uh, along with Tommy Tedesco, who was 
He's, he was one of the wrecking crew. So, I mean, right. <laughs> you know, you, you've got you've got that uh, lineage going on here. Then, of course, he had, you know, he had some of his uh, his friends uh, being in the chorus from, uh, you know, the mothers, uh, certainly Roy Estradas and uh, Motorhead and uh, Cal and the other John. I'm always curious about that. Cal and the other John. Well, Cal might be his album designer. Schenkel. Yeah, it might be. Cal might. Schenkel. Mm-hmm. But uh, the other John might be... Who knows? We'll have to. I, I have that list from the uh, from Freakout with all the names. Maybe there are two Johns on there. And that <laughs> would be the other John. Yes, it, it's, it's very it's very possible. It's just a remarkable piece of work, and um, uh, I guess you know it's been it's been labeled as music concrete uh, and stuff like that. But uh, I think there's a, it, it's a lot less Dada than a lot of people have penned it to be. There really is a, a, a linear narrative going through there. You, you, you have to kind of pull back. And like you said at the top, uh, it helps to have a, uh, an overview, which nobody had in 1968 of where he took that continuity and how he, uh, interwove it into virtually Every album. I hear you've been having trouble with pigs and ponies. I think I can explain about how the pigs' music works. Well, this should be interesting. Remember that they make music with a very dense light. And remember about the smoke standing still and how they they really get uptight when you try to move the smoke, right? Right. Yeah. I think the music in that dense light is probably what makes the smoke stand still. Any sort of motion has this effect on on the pony's manes, you know, the thing on their neck. Mm-hmm. As soon as the pony's mane starts to get good in the back, any sort of, like, motion, especially of a, a smoke or gas, begins to make the end split. That's the basis of all their nationalism. Like, if they can't salute the smoke every morning when they get up. Yeah, it's a vicious circle. You got it. So, um... I had to revisit this one because I didn't, um, even though they were working on these simultaneously and backwards and forwards, but we're only in it for the money. Came out the same year. Hmm. Imagine that. <laughs> yeah, well, if you, if you think about it, yeah, there are passages like in the penal colony and all that, which could have been on either album. But yeah, it, it's a whole other, God, it's like... We're only in it for the money is like this psychedelic cartoon yes. of hippie music and the music of its time. It really is. And, you know, Frank was really vocal about his opinions of the hippie culture. Yeah. And uh, he uh, he wasn't impressed. <laughs> yeah, but as a kid listening to some of the stuff, it seemed like he was still sort of praising it. I but the first, you know, I thought he was like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna go to San Francisco." Yeah, and... now, but listening now with a, a little different yeah, set no, of I, ears, I get you, the tongue in cheek now. But yeah, yeah, uh, one could listen to it unironically. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose you really could, especially back in back in the day. I will join a psychedelic rock band. Every town must have a place where phony hippies meet. Psychedelic dungeons popping up on every street. Go to San Francisco. 
feather band to go around my head, some feathers and bells, and a book of Indian lore. I will ask the Chamber of Commerce how to get to Haight Street and smoke an awful lot of dope. I will wander around barefoot. I will have a psychedelic gleam in my eye at all times. I will love everyone. I will love the police as they kick the shit out of me on the street. I will sleep. I will go to a house. That's, that's what I will do. I will go to a house where there's a rock and roll band because the groups all live together. And I will join a rock and roll band. I will be their road manager. And I will stay there with them and I will get the crabs. But I won't care because... And like having the the empathy for the girl who was shot by the side of the freaks she knew. Right, right, right. Yeah, he his his view was that he thought that oftentimes the minds behind the beads and the flower power and all of that were not necessarily enlightened to embody the kind of radicalisms that they were espousing and of course that's true because oh yeah that's of, of course it is it uh, it's an interesting period of time uh when this thing came out it was right in the middle of absolutely everything oh yeah that summer all hell broke loose really oh yeah that was it but that was a summer of release but it was building up when he was recording especially he was right there in cali so and touring no he was seeing ahead because I guess where he was in touring, you got to see exactly what was going on through the people that were attending your uh, performances. Yeah, exactly. The story of the cover, which is probably well known by everybody, which has in recent years been restored to the way it was supposed to look back when it was originally yes. released, <laughs> it was flipped because it's this uh, parody of Sgt. Pepper's, the Beatles album. And, uh, they did a pretty good job, but as Frank said, they, they did a negative version of it, whereas it's not blue skies in the background, it's a thunderstorm and all that kind of stuff, and then all the people in it. Actually, uh, Jimi Hendrix is actually in it. He, he's, he's, he's physically, he was physically at the shoot, as, I'm, uh, as I learned today. I didn't know this. Oh, wow. He was actually there, and they buried him within the cardboard cutouts of himself and, you know, hmm. countless others that are, that are in this shot. But yeah, he was actually part of the shoot. And uh, this, of course, was raised all sorts of commotion. He contacted Paul uh, yep. about... And, well, you think we better to leave that to the management and all this. Yeah, and of course, Zappa always thought, aren't you supposed to tell the management what to do? <laughs> so... Well, back then they were like that Brian, that they didn't... They were just too busy being on tour and being mop tops, I guess, and recording 12 albums a year. It was way out of step. Uh, and, of course, the legal department went nuts and made him flip the uh, inner sleeve for the outer sleeve, which Cal Schenkel didn't like very much, that's for sure. Right, well, yeah. Um, but uh, eventually, in time, it got uh, reversed, and now we're we're seeing it the way it was originally intended um yeah but you know uh apparently zappa had a had a jam over at his house one day hmm. and uh got to meet eric clapton during this little guitar jam they were having and uh 
he uh, he asked him to uh, lend his vocal abilities <laughs> to this album, and so you do hear the voice of uh, Eric Clapton in there. Out of sight, yeah. Listen, uh, you know, are you hung up? <laughs> You're strung up. Out of sight, yeah. Listen, are you are you hung up? He may be in some one of those little, little bits somewhere, but yeah. Uh, the main thing he did here, which was great because it, it kind of echoed what he would do much later with Joe's Garage, with the central scrutinizer, mm-hmm. he had... Uh, Gary Kelgren, I that's think it. you're referring to. Gary Kelgren. The creepy whisperer guy. He's a, he was the engineer, actually, for this session, and then oh, okay. wound up uh, delivering the whispered... Boy, they're whispered in a sort of... Uh, pieces of dialogue that uh, linked the various segments, very much like Joe's Garage. It's it's really kind of cool. And the other little censorship thing, I, for some reason, I, I don't remember it not being in there. So I must have yeah, heard. Yeah, me neither. My the whatever album version that I had as a kid had the very clearly "Don't Come in Me" in me's. Yes. And then later on on somebody else's record, I heard the kind of warbled version. Because he turned and, it backwards. Yeah, it was a Lenny Bruce reference. Yes. In the track, Harry, You're a Beast. You're phony on top, you're phony underneath. You lay in bed and grit your teeth. Imagine that your body. Imagine it's not merely physical. Um, and also a spoken segment of Concentration Moon, uh, in, in which Kelgren called the Velvet Underground as shitty a group as Frank Zappa's group. <laughs> so, which, of course, was done tongue-in-cheek. But uh, yeah. it was still in there. Yeah, or there might have been two Verve pressings yeah. or something. I'm not sure how that works. But, well, as a kid, I must have played... You know, when you're a kid, you not only play the album... 
many, many times, but you also play it at 45. Yes. And 16. Yes. And 78. This one is a little easier to um, to get through track by track because it's... Yeah, because there's songs. Uh, let's see. It's... Uh, what are we? We got, we got the Are You Hung Up, which is a just a noise collage. But then, then a breezy guitar melody and Who Needs the Peace Corps. Love that. Love that. Concentration Moon has that little bit of dialogue from Engineer there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mom and Dad. A very interesting piece. Yeah, almost a protest song in its own way. And with a very classical melody that'll ever take a minute just to show a real emotion. <laughs> and that could be a passage from a sonata. Classical motif. Um, telephone conversation is track five. Yep. Um, it's kind of just a, a little little tidbit there. Bowtie Daddy. Now, actually, that conversation and Bowtie Daddy originally were kind of one thing, but yep. they uh, they are at least on my version they are separate. Um, and then this Harry, you're a beast. Oh yeah, they're very dramatic. Um, what's the ugliest part of your body, which, uh, again, was covered many times. This thing, uh, surfaced in a couple of things, even some live performances. Um, short, but sweet. Most of these are, are rather brief because he, 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 as we mentioned on the last time we did this, Frank was very cognizant of the fidelity of records. And the longer your side was, the the less likely you're going to maintain a proper fidelity all the way through. So he tried to keep his stuff under 20 minutes if he could do it. And in most cases he did. Um, Then absolutely free is uh, track nine on side one. And the longest track uh, song wise, I think on the album. It is a flower punk is close. It's the next track. Yeah, And that's, I think the only, the closest thing he ever did to an actual song parody. Hey, 
Yeah, because it was Hey Joe. And, right. And uh, wasn't there something else, too? It was Hey Joe, and didn't he borrow something else in there, too? Um, <laughs> it seemed to me there was a little quote of something, but I, it, it escapes me. But anyway, yeah, flower punk. Little did he know, or maybe he knew. No, he, I'm th- th- he had a good idea in any case. He sure did. And uh, then, of course, you know, this is one of the ones that Verve objected to at the time. A, a track called Hot Poop, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is less than a minute long. Um, just a little sound collage there for you of all sorts of things, which would, a lot of those sounds would end up on leather. A lot of this stuff that uh, that was originally uh, recorded for this would be uh, reutilized. And side two opens with a very interesting piece of music concrete, uh, mm-hmm. nasal retentive calliope music. God, I say God. <laughs> yep. <laughs> what else can you say? What an image. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. And then, of course, one of my favorites, Let's Make the Water Turn Black. That actually could have had hit potential, I think, that one. Yeah, I guess, except for the lyric was so weird, I guess that kind of <laughs> killed it. But yeah, and it's a story, and apparently... These were people he, he knew, knew. He more grew or up less with. He's yeah. talking about. Yeah, it was a real. It's a real story. Um, you'll just have to investigate that track, friends, to to get the, the, the full measure of it. Now believe me when I tell you that my song is really true. I want everyone to listen and believe. It's about some little people from a long time ago, and all the things the neighbors didn't know. Early in the morning. Squares, and I still remember Mama with her apron and her pants, feeding all the boys at dance cafe, whizzing and pasting and pooting through the day. Ronnie helping Kenny, helping burn his boots away, and all the while on the shelf in the shed, Kenny's little creatures on display. Ronnie saves his newbies on a window. And then idiot bastard son, which is almost operatic. Mm-hmm. Uh, wonderful motif. That one has been done. Uh, subsequently, lonely little girl. He's he's come back to this several times. Yeah, and if extended that another that had hit potential. It there. did, it did. I mean, it's really interesting that, and again, it's really short on here. So less than two minutes. It's a minute some, uh, but uh, it's a great track melodically. It's just a beautiful mm-hmm. med- uh, melody. You almost think, is he covering somebody from you know a crooner? No. The way you feel, the world for them is 
but uh, the things they say. <laughs> and then uh, track five, take your clothes off when you dance. Uh, love this track. Love this. Yeah. It, it, uh, it, it, there's elements of this in um, not this actual music, but this intention in Let Me Take You to the Beach off of uh, right. Uh, right. Studio Tan, uh, better known as Leather. Um, again, same, same wonderful thing. Again, if you didn't know the lyrics and you just listened to it, it probably could have been, <laughs> it probably could have been a hit. <laughs> it's just, it's got a very catchy little tune. Oh yeah, that melody is just. It's, I know. It's uh, you know, it was, it was something that he 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 explored differently as his career went on. But when he he tackled this kind of stuff in this period of time, just awesome. Um, then there's a reprise of what's the ugliest part of your body, which is uh, yeah. You could almost see those guys in Washington Square <laughs> Park on a Sunday night. Yeah, doing a cover of that. It's Dion and the Belmonts. Yes, there you go. There you go. Uh, and Mother People, which, I, you know, when I first heard this track, it I think he actually is saying that, but maybe if you've got that, that quasi, uh, quasi uh, libretto thing, we can find out for sure. It almost sounds like the chorus is saying, we are the other people. Yeah, we are the other people. Right. Yeah, no, it's almost an anthem. And again, it seemed like because he was he identified somewhat with the hippies to me it was like some sort of hippie anthem yeah right but he was actually saying you're the other yeah you're the other people we're the other found people. a way to get to you <laughs> that's right yeah this is great this is really great and and the thing that closes the the album out is the chrome-plated megaphone of destiny one of my favorite titles of all time and that is pretty much a a, a sound sculpture here um this is yeah, it could have definitely been on the other album. Maybe he was intended to, but he hit his twenty minutes per side and used it for his twenty minutes on this side. Yeah, it's a six-minute track. A, it's a it's quite a yeah. it's quite an excursion. And um, the people on this album is very interesting because there was a little bit of a little bit of a confusion on that. And and in, in subsequent CD releases of the album, um, Frank had to explain. That the people pictured on the uh, the the album were not the band that actually played the music, and in fact, um, right, it's like the old mothers of invention, really. Right, and some of them are there. I mean, Roy Estrada is there, but he's starting to bring in the real players. Yeah, at at Motorhead. But, uh, um, yeah, Motorhead. Ian Underwood is in there. Don Preston may have been right. Yeah, Don yeah. Preston. Billy Mundy doing, I guess, the more complicated drum parts that Jimmy Carl Black couldn't. <laughs> yeah, this was this was going to be a problem later. Yes, um, of course, uh, Susie Cream Cheese, Eric Clapton. Yeah, 
male speaking part in uh, Are You Hung Up? And that was it, nasal retentive calliope music. So he is buried in there. I, oh, okay. I seem to remember one other thing, but yeah. Uh, Spider Barber. I don't know that he, if he, if he worked with Frank after this or not, I don't remember anything with him in it. Unless no, that, that was that, just that, this. that name is, uh, let, let me do a quick Spider Barber lyrics, songs, and albums. Yeah, no, he's on Civilization, okay, apparently, and this, so yeah, that yeah, was, that was his it. only at least recorded adventures in the industry. Yes, this is probably his work here that's uh, in Civilization. And even Dick Kunk uh, made a, who never is on anything. He was one of the engineers and great one. Uh, Frank worked with a lot. Um, but, you know, all in all, I mean, these two are just, I see why they put them together. They actually, but then it would have been a $4,000 box set and no one could afford it. But they, they really should have, and at some point, I'm sure they will, all five of these things that were supposed to be one album would have been really interesting in terms of a continuity. Um, you, you would... Yeah. That lost no commercial potential. Yeah, yeah. Because um, Reuben and the Jets was in that thing, and uh, Uncle Meat. And, and this uh, is pretty much the tail end. I mean, what is there, one more Verve album? I think so, yes. Up? Yes. Um, that... Wasn't even released under their own name. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Um, yeah, that's the... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who is this album? Um, yeah, so, you know, there's lots of... He was getting he was getting a full dose of the record company crap, you know, right out of the box here. And it always has amazed me how someone like this, who um, virtually was unknown, I mean, really, virtually unknown, could have this much clout at such an early age and wield it. Well, they were used to bands with like a bunch of 15, 16 year olds who would just, oh, I'm going to be on a record. Tell me what to do. Right. It's, it's, oh, you don't like the songs I wrote? Okay, I'll do the ones that you'd give me. And right. Yeah. A very different time. And I mean, even bands like the Turtles, as soon as they started saying, hey, wait a minute, they real quickly just disappeared off they the got face axed. of the earth yeah. and wound up playing with Zappa. Yes, which was, uh, yeah, we're, that's going to be a very fun album to, uh, to explore. See, this was a time where people were throwing crap at the wall to see where, what stuck, so nobody really knew, and that's why stuff like this really got, got made, is that they didn't have any idea who would, who would you know, gravitate to it. Um, <laughs> And uh, I, I'm so glad they were blind that way because we wouldn't have this material if it uh, if they were the way they are right now. We wouldn't have this material. It's impossible. No. Oh, anytime, pretty much after that, uh, they stopped experimenting pretty quick. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we had one brief shine of creativity in the very early '70s, and then a friend of mine always used to say he he could he could pin it from like 1976 that something happened and um you know the machine became very very different very very different and yeah with uh, very few exceptions and they weren't in the states they were overseas you know the john lyden right a few people in that scene but most of them were just again dumb kids who were going to be on a record okay i'll do this i'll do that yeah i'll play those three chords <laughs> on the mtv 
I mean, there was even the clash, but they kind of now they're they're kind of not mentioned so much anymore. I know that's a, yeah they're they're not. The Sex Pistols seem to get a little more um, notoriety in that in that department. I guess that's because they were just so bombastic or whatever. Well, Lydon keeps coming out with once in a while something. I mean, even that song he did uh, last year about his wife Hawaii. He, every so often he hits something that gets enough attention yeah. and, and sells some product. It sells some products, some radio-friendly mover units. Yeah. Yeah, all that. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> you know, what I have found, <laughs> we were talking about this a little off topic, but maybe not. Uh, we're talking about the fact that, you know, the music industry has, has so um, devolved over the last uh, several years. A lot of the reason become people are just doing their own thing, you know, and, and they're, they're yeah. kind of abandoning that whole principle. But where that core of um, molders and shapers and uh, management and all that, where that has gone is YouTube. <laughs> so, yeah. So your influencers and your whatever, the people with 92 billion people following them, they're being managed. Oh, yeah, like that Anthony Fantano. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, honestly, it's it's all part of that machine now where it's, you can't trust it. You can't trust oh, it. Oh, no, I, that for a while I fell into that, but I realized that they're telling, albums that I heard that were good, they're trashing. And albums that they're recommending, I'm like listening to, like feeling like, it, what am I missing here? Yeah. Yeah. There's no substance. It's just a bunch of smarty business. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Tuba smarties. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's really, it's really true. Um, and I think at this time, classic music is probably more prevalent than ever. Isn't that something? And albums are dead. Yeah. People buy songs now. Yeah. Talked to a, f a couple of friends in the industry who are in, in uh, film distribution, mm -hmm. and they're seeing uh, a trend, which is wonderful, frankly. I'm, I'm loving this. Mm -hmm. uh, they're seeing a trend back, maybe vinyl helped, <laughs> I don't know, mm -hmm. a trend back to physical media in terms of film collecting and stuff like that, because uh, there there is a part where you tap out of this, you know, just the content, ma'am. I don't want the extras. I don't want any of that. You know, that that has kind of plateaued, which is a wonderful thing. So you're seeing a lot of these companies who were, you know, I'm I'm wondering how they're hanging in there, but uh, they are they are hanging in there, and the collector's market is starting to bifurcate a little bit, and that's why things like this uh, box sets of, of material like his and other people are still ringing bells with, and and they're still selling, and they can. Yep. Well, certain bands can repackage, yep. add some tracks, remix, and it works. But a lot of, you know, the Turtles are never going to do that. Moby Grape is never going to, but Moby Grape was kind of hit or miss anyways after Spence left. Yeah. Oh, boy. He, there's a story. Um, oh, yeah. But is, is, in terms of the of the Zappa catalog here, we're, we are not going to see an end to this anytime soon. And I think both of us will be 160 by the by the if we were to cover everything they did. But 
Yeah, the, these are our choice, and, and they are they're they're formulative. They are uh, iconic. They have influenced music. They they need they just need to be revisited. It may not be everybody's cup of tea. Certainly won't be. But uh, you have to marvel at the composition, even if you you know you don't. It ain't your cup of oh, meat. Oh yeah, no, this know. is not song somebody sat down with their guitar and wrote one afternoon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, pulled one out. Yeah, this is not that. And at the time, Zappa was, he may have been the first rock and roll musician who actually knew how to write a score or an arrangement on a piece of paper and put written music in front of people. I mean, even a band like that King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, they show all sorts of footage of them working in... There is never a sheet of paper with written music. It's all these incredible, I mean, they're brilliant in that way because some of their stuff is so comp complex, but I don't think very much of it is ever written down. It informs this work, not that you have to, but as, as Frank used to say, putting the eyebrows on it is mm -hmm. very important in this work. And so what he did with all of it, no matter how complex it is, and I mean, he takes something like the black page, pretty complicated but yeah. he put the eyebrows on it and it for some reason but it just goes over easy yeah no it's like he does these incredible time signature changes and weird and you don't notice it yeah it's it has a flow to it that belies its complexity that's exactly right and and i would invite you know folks to to seek that out and also one of my favorite um, orchestral works by him called The Yellow Shark, which also yeah. got a, uh, a uh, retreatment uh, within the last few years. It's just brilliant work, just really brilliant work. Um, and uh, played by people who give a crap. They really do. The Ensemble Modern, incredible. You know, we'll get to them. But, um, but yeah, these two are just, they're... They're amazing. They are well worth seeking out. And uh, I mean, hell, you can sample these on, on YouTube if you, you, you are so inclined, because I found every single one of these things up there. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> no, and they're, those Zappa, you don't even need to buy Spotify for most of it. No. it it's there waiting to be heard. Waiting. And you would do yourself a favor to do it. So Agreed. So this has been a delight again. We're going to tackle, I guess, two more the next time. Yep. So we've got, what, Cruising with Ruben and the Jets. Yep, that'll be the next one. And the first one he did for Warners, which I'm I'm drawing a complete Uncle Meat. Oh, good, because that's another one of my favorites. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that's a good one. Love that one. Uh, it has some rather long pieces that are excerpts of, of the actual film mm -hmm. that has never gotten and that should it has never gotten a proper yeah that was on a vhs i remember honker home like video pieces of it yeah but... honker home video his his video label that's the only place i ever saw it and mother mania came out in that era as well yes. between reuben and the jets and uncle me which had some different mixes of some of the songs Oh, that's interesting. I, I had that and not, uh, at the time, Absolutely Free and Lumpy Gravy. So anything I heard from Absolutely Free for years 
was the Mother Mania version. Oh, okay. So that that was in between meat and, uh, or maybe at the same time. Bruising uh, came out in November of 68. Mother Mania came out in March of 69. And Uncle Meat came out in April of 69. Okay. Yeah, it's it's Zappa's kind of blue is what Hot Rats is. Yeah. It's it's it is it is actually the invention of jazz fusion right yeah. there. He he beat Miles Davis by a few months. In 1969 that's I don't think Bitches Brew was 70 It was or it was 70. It was actually the sessions were going on kind of the same time but they it didn't get released until uh late 69 early 70 and so yeah, he beat him. He he uh and and it's apples and oranges, so. Oh yeah, no, it's a whole other. But uh, those will be fun. Those will be fun. So yeah, let's uh, let's uh, bank on um, Reuben. <laughs> and uncle and uncle meat. Yeah, those are just choice, absolutely choice, and I look forward uh, to yeah. uh, resurrecting those. Me too. Now this is great, and uh, the appreciator appreciates this, and uh, <laughs> that's really what counts, right? That's <laughs> absolutely. That's why I do it. Uh, <laughs> keep your eyes and ears open, and uh, we appreciate you listening. And keep listening. <laughs>